Thank you, Colton, for leading us in that worship. And man, I don't know about you, but like he just gets me going. I tell you, I love his uh, abilities. I love the music that he sings and plays. Um, I just, it really, <laughs> I just love that. That was great. And I love that song. I love the idea of being pursued recklessly by God. And no matter what our past looks like. And that's kind of where we're going tonight. We're in our second part of our evangelism series until all have heard. And tonight I wanted to talk about your story. I want to talk about what your story looks like. How are you able to share it with other people? And how is it most effectively shared with other people? Because when it comes to evangelism, we really start to find out that our stories... Our stories have oftentimes the most impact on other people. It gives them the, the best ability to relate to us and, and understand, okay, why does Christ work for you? Uh, what difference did Christ make in your life? And, and how can that be the same for me? You know, each and every single one of us has a story. We all do. We all have a story. Some have good stories. Some have bad stories. Every single one of us has a past. There are things that we have done in our past life that maybe we really wouldn't want to share with another person. Or there's some highs and lows and things that were done to us that really makes us afraid to share with other people. Because let's face it, a lot of times we're nervous of what other people are going to think about us. That's why I love the fact that I got tattoos after I became a Christian because it drove my parents nuts. And they said, why would you do that if you know better? And I said, well, you know what? At times, I, I think the same. What in the world was I thinking? But uh, when I go through Starbucks, there's a gal there who has a Buddhist tattoo. And she's like, hey, you like Jesus, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I like Jesus. Well, I saw your cross tattoo. Um, that's neat. And I was like, hey, you got a Buddhist tattoo. That's pretty neat, too. So you're pretty spiritual. And we had like a two-minute conversation in a Starbucks drive through And it was all because of the tattoo. So I'm like, mom and dad, you see? It all works out, and Jesus is coming back with a tattoo on his hip. It's there in the Bible. That's a little uh, lesson or project for you later. Anyway, I'm getting off, top of it, off topic. So as we were discussing what it means to evangelize, what it means to share that gospel message with other people, Jacob got us started last week. He had a great sermon about faith, love, and hope, and how all three of those are interconnected into our lives. And you know, with that understanding, if you're like me, when you heard that, you may have thought personally, okay, how are faith, hope, and love uh, witnessed, and, and how are they at work in my life, and how have they been affected for the good and the bad? And I know that Jacob, he really got to me, really convicted me when he talked about that pessimism and Christian are two terms that probably shouldn't be used together, that you shouldn't really be a pessimistic Christian. And, you know, I know there are many times in my life where I can be very pessimistic, you can ask my wife, who's sitting here, uh, mo majority of our marriage, I'm sure she has thought I was a project because majority of it, I look at the negative side of things with little to no hope that anything's going to change. I'm a foster parent as well, and there are times I look at the struggles of bio parents, and I think they're never going to change. I am so pessimistic when it comes to bio parents, but that's who I am, and that's where I really need to focus and, and read my Bible more and spend more time in prayer and, and kind of see how hope is something that I need to work on, having a positive outlook on life. Well, I came across a meme the other day, and the meme essentially said this, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. The pessimist in me said, yeah, right, really? But then I started to think about that. Some of the greatest, some of the greatest gifts are God's unanswered prayers. So thinking about that, thinking about your story, 
how many of our stories are affected by what we are going to consider unanswered prayer? Maybe, too, your story is affected by cruel things that have been done to you from those unanswered prayers or things that have been done to you by your family, your friends, your coworkers, your spouses. Maybe you've even had the thought that, well, I know this is a prevalent thought today, the world's against me. The universe is against me. The world doesn't want me to succeed. It just wants to tear me down and bring me down. Now, I really want you to hear me out on this, okay? I'm going to say something that's not mean-hearted or cruel. I'm going to say something that maybe you won't really believe or you think, eh, that's kind of a, a I don't like that statement, Rory. Let, hear me out. Every single scenario, every single situation that has occurred in your life, every interaction with another person has played an important part in your life. I will not downplay that. The things that have happened to you are important. But here it is. They're not 100% unique. The things that you have gone through as a person, they have greatly affected you, but they are not 100% unique. And the reason I know that, we have counselors, therapists, psychologists, individuals whose lives are consumed with studying the human uh, psyche. And in doing so, they've come across a plethora, a bunch of scenarios and situations in people's lives where they're not really surprised anymore. So, Technically, the stuff that has happened to you isn't 100% unique, but what is unique is the fact that you were able to commit to Christ amidst those circumstances, amidst those situations. That is truly what makes your story 100% unique. How you were able to commit to Christ and not just cope with the circumstance. And you may think, okay, well, what circumstance? If it's something that's happened to me, what is the circumstance? Let's face it, when sin entered the world, it wrecked a lot of things. Not only did it wreck our relationship with God, it also wrecked our relationship with other people. And the majority of the time when bad things happen to you at the work of another person, it's because they're dealing with the sin or they have the sin nature that has caused them to do that. And in doing so, you are dealing now with the consequences of sin. So remember, it's not necessarily what makes your story unique, the situation. It's your commitment to Christ while coping with the, the consequences. And really, if you think about it, coping with the consequences, that's where the world is. That's what they're really trying to do. Uh, being a foster parent, I can't tell you how many of the bio parents are addicted to substances, whether it's alcohol or unfortunately, lately it's been meth, cocaine, um, other suboxone, all of these drugs. The world is trying to cope with the consequences, but what the world is desperately missing is the fact that Christ can make them a conqueror and not just a coper. I don't think that's a real word, but pastors make up words all the time. You could be a conqueror and not a coper. And experience, unfortunately, experience does not always make us the wiser, does it? It, it doesn't. It doesn't always make us wiser. Oftentimes, experience makes us tired. Experience makes us frustrated, poorer, madder, angrier, lonelier. But experience alone does not make you wiser. That's, you know, I, I tried online dating once. I, it was an experience. It didn't make me any wiser. It took Lindsay meeting her through a friend, making fun of me, that actually opened my eyes. And you know what? Here's, here's an old phrase. Since we know better, it doesn't always mean we're going to do better. Oh, you know better. Have you ever told your child that? Oh, you know, but you know better. Do not do that. Just because they know better doesn't mean they're going to do better. Knowing better doesn't mean that you will have the knowledge, ability, or skill 
to make a different decision the next time. It's difficult, it's challenging, but the scenario, situation, circumstance, whatever has happened to you or has been done to you in and of itself is not unique. How you were able to commit to Christ amidst the scenario, situation is what is unique. Because coping with the consequences of sin really doesn't change anything. You, I mean, you may think you can make a stride here or there, but ultimately, it, it doesn't really change anything. And that's a good thing. Honestly, it's a good thing because it makes us realize, okay, it is Christ that has made the difference, not eating healthy, not working out, which I know I need to do both of those. You know, not maybe changing my profile on Facebook, not deleting some friends I probably shouldn't have. Your story and your own experience with Christ it's one of the most powerful tools you could possibly have. And it is one of the most valuable assets you can have when it comes to sharing the gospel with other people. It's personal to you. We all carry that baggage. It's personal to you, which will make it the more meaningful to other people. In fact, in fact, it's in the action that you are the most authentic to an unbeliever. It's through telling that story. You become the most authentic to another believer. And when we have that conversion moment, that coming to Christ moment, we learn that God is loving, caring, kind, forgiving. Suddenly, like Jacob was talking last week, our hope is restored. And it's restored to a saving faith. And now we have a different perspective. Whereas Jacob said, the confidence to share the hope that we have found in the loving promises of God. You see, we find that our story is not as unique as other people. But again, it's the experience of God in our lives, it truly makes the difference. One person whose story who, that may not be entirely unique, one person's story, especially around that day and age, that may not be entirely brand new to people, would be Paul. Paul, who was formerly Saul, was a bad man, someone you wouldn't want to cross, but through a conversion experience, he met Jesus, he saw Jesus, and now he became Paul. And I love Paul because he knew he was a sinner. All right? He even wrote to Timothy about how bad of a sinner he was. You know, being this great, big, awful sinner, it's a good thing because Christ is going to be able to display his perfect mercy so that through me, the worst of sinners, the vilest, the, just the, the greatest offender might be an example to others who come to Christ. In fact, we're going to look at some verses tonight that really add some emphasis to that understanding, to his perspective in a powerful way. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be starting at verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19. If you have your Bibles, I see some smartphones. Um, you know, be sure to highlight a couple of these because as we're going through this evangelism series, I believe that this will help give us some practical teaching and examples and some guidelines for how to effectively evangelize to other people. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19. It says, This means I am not bound to obey people just because they pay me. Paul, we'll get to that why he's talking that way. Yet I have become a servant of everyone so that I can bring them to Christ. And servant, that word doulos, it's a powerful, it's a, it's a very highly esteemed word when it comes to giving yourself to another person. When I am with the Jews, I become one of them so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with those who follow the Jewish laws, I do the same, even though I am not subject to the laws so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with the Gentiles who do not have the Jewish law, I fit in with them as much as I can. 
And in this way, I gain their confidence and bring them to Christ, but I do not discard the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are oppressed, I share their oppression so that I might bring them to Christ. You hear that common theme? He says that a few times. So that I may bring them to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone so that I might bring them to Christ. I do all this to spread the good news and in doing so, I enjoy its blessings. So just a little background information regarding this letter. I'm sure you've read it before. I know in a few chapters we have a verse verses that are read often at weddings but the first part of paul's letter here he's addressing church problems and in the latter part of the letter he is answering their direct questions that's why paul is getting very adamant about the pay and and being identified as an apostle he's also identifying problems to the corinthian church to offer solutions and to teach them how to effectively live for christ amidst a corrupt society. So technically, this doesn't relate to our present circumstance or situation, does it? How to live for Christ in a corrupt society. And now, many were also having a, a very difficult time fitting in with society. The Corinthian Christians knew the dangers of standing out. At that day and age, it was dangerous to stand out because it meant you could be thrown into jail or worse, you could have your life taken away. And in doing so, these Corinthian Christians, they started to kind of blend in with their environment. They started to kind of adapt lifestyles and behaviors of the people around them. And when Paul stressed being this new creation, he was reminding them of an earlier point that being born from above, it meant that you did stand out, that you were different, that you were a new creation. And that true believers, honestly, they should not blend in very well with society. So the church in Corinth, they were really struggling with their environment. They were surrounded by corruption everywhere and every conceivable sin. And and here's the worst part. They felt the pressure to adapt. Now their faith was still in God, but their hope was diminished. And as you remember what Jacob was saying, it kind of, you know, brings us out of of sorts there when one of those faith, hope, and love are are distorted. So their faith was still in God, but their hope was diminished. They knew that they were a new creation in Christ. They knew that they were redeemed by the blood of Christ. But what did this freedom mean? I mean, how should they view in their society idols? I mean, idols were running rampant as well. There are different gods. You can pay to get an idol and then go pray to that god, and they would give you whatever you wanted. How do they view sexuality? Men with men, women with women. How do you view that, and, and how do you come against that? And I mean, do you assimilate, or do you change your stance? What should they do about marriage? Uh, what, what do you do about women in the church? What do you do about the gifts of the Spirit? And so, really, in this book, I, I find a lot of practical application when it comes to evangelism today, because I feel like, really, we do have relevance with that first church. There are a lot of questions that come to mind and how do we relate to society? How do we get along with society when we feel those pressures? And it's confusing to understand the world's stance on a lot of things. And in this chapter, you kind of get the sense too, if you read the first part of the chapter, Paul's authority is questioned and he just goes off. It's a lot of fun to read. But the fact that he saw and spoke with the resurrected Christ made all the difference. He should be called an apostle And in his own experience, a changed life was evidence of what God was doing in the changed person. 
So he kind of redirects the question. He kind of helps us understand, does your faith have an impact on others? I mean, really, when it's coming down to it, we feel this pressure to adapt. We feel this pressure to assimilate. We feel this pressure to give in to what the world is saying is okay. Do we adapt? Do we go along with it? So he just asked the question, does your faith have an effect on anybody else? He also speaks about giving up personal rights, about becoming a servant to everyone. But this is really the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. This is really what I want to touch on. First and foremost, our stories are going to provide us with a perspective to find common ground with those whom we come into contact with. Our stories will provide us with perspective to find common ground with those we come into contact with. Here's a story of an old man who was walking around a country road with his mule and his dog. And as they were walking along the country road, this car just zoomed around the corner, knocked the old man, his mule, and his dog off into the ditch. The guy in the truck stopped, pulled back, and uh, the old man thought, you know what, since you knocked me off the road, I'm going to sue you. So the trial comes up, the old man is in court, he's sitting behind the box, and the attorney says, Sir, I want to ask you, did you happen to say, after you were thrown off the road, that everything was okay? And he said, well, my mule, my dog, and I were walking around the old country road. He said, whoa, 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 the attorney, hold on, hold on. I want to know, when you were knocked off the road, did you say everything is okay? And he said, well, when I was walking down the country road with my mule and my dog, and the attorney said, stop, judge, I move to take this man off the stand. He will not answer the question yes or no. And the judge looked at the attorney and said, just let him answer. He has something he wants to say. Answer the question. Old man looks at the judge, looks at the attorney. He just says, well, my dog and my mule and I were walking down the country road when this guy knocked us off into a ditch. And the guy who stopped, he got out to check on me, saw my mule had a broken leg. So he went back to the truck, got his shotgun, and shot the mule in the head. Then he realized that my dog had another broken leg, so he went over to the dog, shot it in the head. He came over to me and said, hey, are you all right? And I said, everything is okay. <laughs> Perspective plays a big part in the effectiveness of our testimony, of the sharing of our story. Finding common ground and being willing to hear their perspective is huge. Paul was an interesting character. He called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. It was the special term that referred to Jews who spoke Aramaic, who worshipped in Hebrew, speaking to congregations. He knew how to speak to Jews regarding their Jewish law and traditions. To the Gentiles, I love this, he found everything he had in common without breaking the law. <laughs> what a rebel. Let's go talk to some people and not break the law. Let, let's live loose like that. He found a way to do it. In other words, he found a way to communicate with those who did not know Christ without compromising his commitment. And being a witness is something that we naturally are as we live out our lives for Jesus. Our love and our commitment should shine brightly in order to point people to God. And, and your struggle, I mean each and every single one of us struggles with something, your struggle is relatable. And if there's one thing that every human being on this planet has in common is that they struggle with something. No matter what it is, if you watch late night TV, you will find there is a solution for everything because every person on the planet struggles with something. 
I mean, you may struggle with something as, as simple as, I can't open cans on my own. Well, if you watch this infomercial, you'll find there's a little thing that you put on the can and comes right off. We all struggle with something. I, I, I'm just going to say this. How many diets are out there? We all struggle with something. I heard there's an actual Twinkie diet. I'm okay with that. You eat one Twinkie, Twinkie a month, you have enough calories, fat, saturated fat, everything to last you. Just live your life normal, eat one Twinkie, and you're good. And if you go to a fair and there's a deep fried Twinkie, eat that once and you're good for two months. You see, it works out. But remember, what you have overcome through the power of Christ is hope. And it's hope for another, for sharing how Jesus did work in your life. How he gave you an opportunity to overcome whatever you're struggling with. And there are so many people out there who are looking for a way to stop struggling with sin and, and the consequences of sin. What you have overcome through the power of Christ is hope for another. And sharing how Jesus did that for you, it's an opportunity to soften that heart. God does the work. Remember, we're, we're not leading people to Christ. The Holy Spirit does that work. God does the work, but he is going to use your story to minister to another person. And believe me, there is nothing like vulnerability and, and uh, transparency to really let a skeptical world know that you are authentic. Because honestly, right now, those who are unsaved, they're really skeptical about the church. They're skeptical about Christians. They don't know if they're going to be talked to nicely or if they're going to have the gospel just shoved down their throats. They don't know if they're going to talk to a nice Christian who wants to hear their perspective or if they're going to have a Christian who's going to take over the conversation and say, you've been wrong your whole life. You need Jesus. It's that authenticity that's going to pique their interest and allow them to open up about hearing who Jesus is. So if that is where you're at and you're like, okay, I understand my story. I understand how to be vulnerable. I love my wife. She cries at the drop of a hat and she can tell her story and start to cry. And I've seen her share her story before and other people start to cry. If you're not like that, that's okay. Just be vulnerable. Live life with other people. So secondly, our stories also should keep us from being a know-it-all. You may think, where did this come from? Well, let's face it. If you have quite the testimony, sometimes when you go to share that testimony, when you go to share that story with another person, a little bit of it might be heightened up so that we can really show how bad we were and how good we were. I grew up in church. My testimony as a kid, I felt like it's, it was horrible. I thought it stunk. I mean, you had some people there at youth group or like we'd go to a rally and they're sharing their testimony about how they got into drugs at a young age or how they got into pornography or how they got into drinking. And they're like, so tell me about your story. Well, um, my mom and dad took me to church. When I was really little, I gave my life to Christ and I've been working on it ever since. Man, my story's awful. It doesn't have any relatability to anybody. But have you ever met a know-it-all Christian? One of the, and hopefully you can say no, and if you do say yes, please say it's not here. Have you ever met a know-it-all Christian? I, I mean, I, I have this real pet peeve with arrogant Christians. You can ask Jacob. We've met a couple at work. It drives me nuts. Arrogant Christians. It, it's something that literally will make me cringe. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you won't. They share a struggle, 
And it's a good struggle. They share a struggle they've had, but then their story turns into more about how they were able to overcome the struggle than how God worked through them to help them overcome that struggle. I mean, one thing I can tell you for 100% certain, the gospel was not designed to be hoarded. It wasn't something to reflect ourselves. It was designed to be shared and reflect Christ. The story you have, it wasn't meant to be about you. The story you have, honestly, it was not meant to be about you. It was meant to be about what God did through you. I, I love this phrase. I, I'm, here's transparency. I go to see a, a counselor twice a month. Talk to her about a lot of my issues. And it's been great. She's a Christian counselor. She's offered a lot of advice. If you don't hear anything tonight, please hear this. When it comes to sharing your story, it's three things. I can't, God can I'm letting him. I couldn't overcome that addiction. God could. I let him. I couldn't overcome that subscription. I don't know. Whatever the story may be. I can't overcome it. God can. I'm going to let him. That's the most simple, the most basic, the most simplistic way of sharing your story because it doesn't show other people how great you are or how powerful you are. It shows them that God can literally do anything. You were blessed to be a blessing. You were. You were blessed to be a blessing. As you take in, you also need to give out the message again so that others can come into relationship with God. Proverbs 11.25 says, Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Paul hints at that in this text. That's why so many of our stories who are given by those arrogant Christians, it runs dry. Because it has no susceptibility. You know, and, and let's be honest, we feel good about the times we share how God has redeemed us from something that's awful, right? I mean, but we run the risk of making it all about us. So remember, what has happened to you, again, may not be 100% unique. But how you experience God through that circumstance or situation is what's unique. And remember that. It was his working. And remember, too, we're also told in Scripture that we are to not do anything out of selfish, vain ambition or empty conceit or pride or vanity, smugness, arrogance, or superiority. Rather, we are to be humble, esteeming others as greater than ourselves. Sometimes sharing our story can give us that selfish ambition to des- or desire to boast. But remember, it's not about how you were able to go through the circumstance. It was how about you were able to commit to Christ, not cope with the circumstance, regardless of how big it is. And I love this. Paul in this message, he's also talking to the Jews who by their own law saw Christ as a heretic, a false prophet, and by that law had him crucified. Paul could see how he was subject to Christ's law and not God's law, but regardless, he did not throw the law in their faces. Why? Because, as he says himself, I became like one under the law so as to win those to Christ. He could have bashed, I mean, Paul was a smart dude. He could have bashed them over the head with like a 10-point series about why your law and the way you looked at it is wrong. But instead, he chose to remain humble. And by sharing his story, made them feel accepted so that he could fulfill that goal of winning others to Christ. Thirdly, Our stories, again, should also make others feel accepted. Now, here's a question. How many of you have ever been to a third world country? We got one, we got two, we got three. All right, so if you've been to that third world country, was it easy to tell who in that country was impoverished, who in that country was poor? 
I mean, it's pretty easy, isn't it? We're quick to notice physical and material poverty. And the evidence of a broken relationship with the rest of creation, that, that kind of poverty, well, it's, it's really obvious to us. If you've ever been on a mission trip and you, you've gone to the market, you can see those who desperately need to sell their items that day. But here's the thing. We should not assume that it's the only kind of poverty out there. The more sensitive the Spirit makes you to others around you, the more you're going to start to notice the spiritual and the relational poverty of other people. And we've all been rejected in one way or another. I mean, if you've ever dated in your past, you understand what rejection is. I got dumped on New Year's Day in Illinois and had to drive all the way back to Indiana. That was a really rough breakup. I was rejected. It was one of those things. I met her parents, people. I drove all day to go meet her parents from Indiana. She broke up with me when I met her parents because her dad had a sneaky suspicion I wasn't the right one or I'd be in debt. I went home crying. I was listening to music. If you saw the video that we posted on Facebook, it was like that song by Eric Carmen, all by myself. I even called my aunt. What in the world was that? We've all felt, I never talked to her about relational stuff. I'm off topic again, but I'm just trying to be humble and transparent so that we can connect. That's why. You know, we've all faced rejection. It hurts. It stinks. It's not fun. And it's challenging. It is challenging to identify the causes of rejection and come against that spirit of rejection. How not to live in that place anymore. Because let's face it, when you're in that spirit of rejection, it always seems to be wrapped up in hurt and anger, bitterness, rage, even pride, fear, rebellion, and much, much more. And all of those things that I said, they may be tormenting the life of another or yourself today, especially when you're coping with the consequences instead of allowing Christ to make you a conqueror. Jesus does not want you or them to be tormented anymore. He doesn't want you to live in self-pity, woe, and bitterness. Jesus doesn't want you to, to face the bondage of rejection. He wants you to be set free. And we need to remind other people through our stories that they're not alone, that they can find that freedom, that they can be conquerors, that they don't have to be all by myself. Don't want to be all by my. And, and really, you get to that peak moment anymore because we don't want to, Right? You don't have to be anymore. We've been there. We've done that. We found freedom. We found that we can conquer instead of cope. God wants to set all of us free from that spirit of rejection so that we can find deliverance because it's not just affecting those out there. It's affecting ourselves, our families, our friends, everyone we're around. And the Bible says this. Maybe you can finish this for me. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Rejection, it's a major stronghold. It's something that each and every single one of us in here has dealt with at some point in our lives. But acceptance in Christ, well, it's the central aspect of deliverance to salvation, to acceptance. And it also changes the, the notion of being accepted by the world, that they're, they're trying to put that out there. You have to be accepted by the world. You, you have to get along with everyone. You have to coexist. Have you seen that bumper sticker, coexist? I just want to run my car into it sometimes and say, you wanted to coexist, didn't you? It changed the notion that you have to be accepted by the world to the notion that you can be accepted by the creator. 
We can be accepted through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Colton was talking to us about. That we can be accepted by grace. We don't have to be perfected through legalism or keeping law. Finally, finally, we can be accepted by faith in Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Whether you're a Baptist, whether you're a, a Catholic, whether you're a non-denominational. But Lindsay and I have made some Catholic friends. They are, I call them our charismatic Catholics because they are crazy and awesome and they listen to Kim Walker Smith and speaking in tongues. I love that. It's great. Our stories, lastly, our stories make us more sensitive. They make us more sensitive to the needs because with Christ, we are conquering, not coping. So suddenly, we're able to see clearly. And let's face it, sometimes do you wonder if you missed an opportunity? And many of us, we live life at a very, very fast pace, don't we? I mean, even coming to church tonight, were you thinking about all the stuff you had to do before, all the stuff you're going to have to do after? You know, a lot of us, we manage our time between work, school, church, and family. Add to that taking care of our home, eating right, working out, spending time with friends. The list goes on and on and on, and the list itself is so exhausting. But with such busy lives, how can we be sensitive to the needs of others? How can we be sensitive to take that step in an unexpected direction? Read your Bible, spend time in prayer, and God will allow you to be more sensitive to the needs of others. It's often there where God leads us to the right words that push us into action. It makes us more sensitive to God's leading in our life, which helps others turn to Christ. Because you never know how God might use you to encourage people, to inspire people, and to let them know that they're not alone. You don't have to be all by yourself anymore. And tonight, if you're thinking about your story and how it relates to other people, let me tell you, one of the best ways to evangelize, one of the best, one of the absolute best ways to evangelize is not through a Facebook post. It's not through social media. I mean, Lord help us, we have teenagers who are going to interviews and don't understand what it means to face-to-face connect with another human being. (laughs) So many times we're bold to make a stand about our faith on social media, but are we bold to make this statement of faith to other people? Well, here's, here's an easy application for you, okay? One of the easiest ways you can share the gospel with other people is live with them, not giving in to the sins that they may be giving into, but living with them and just sitting back. Honestly, as a pastor, some of the most impactful moments in my ministry have come from not saying a single word at all, but just being there with them. And then when I feel the wooing of the Spirit say, how can I pray for you? We have to be ready to share our story with people all the time, but if we don't live life with people, how are we going to make a difference? So tonight, as you think about your story, I don't want you to think about where God left you. I want you to think about where God is taking you. I want you to be able to hear what he's telling you. H stands for literally hear what other people are saying. E is to be empathetic. A is to be attuned to their needs. And R is to be ready to share it with other people. Tonight, are you ready to start sharing your story? Are you ready to start going out there? If you have questions, we'd love to hear your questions. As Jacob had mentioned in the announcements, in your bulletin there, you should see a little uh, website or email account, Stay Connected TM. Stay connected with us. Ask those hard questions. We want to respond. We want to give you the tools necessary to share the gospel with other people. So tonight, what is your story? How can it relate to other people? Are you coping with consequences of sin or are you a conqueror?
Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to gather this evening, Lord, to hear from your word and the challenges that it brings. Lord, I, I know that each and every single one of us have a story here, Lord, but may you, instru- may you just in- remind us of how it's not a story that we keep to ourselves. It's not a story that should reflect our own wants and our own needs or in our own arrogance, Lord, but a story that is supposed to reflect you. God, I pray that as we study your word, as we look at the life of Paul in this text, that we would take that initiative to be the, that bondservant, that slave to other people, that we would get involved in the conversation, not just through social media, Lord, but through a interaction, through being there for them. May we take time to read your word, spend time in prayer so that we can be more apt to move at your prompting, more willing to meet the, need, the needs of another. Lord, I thank you for every family represented here tonight. I just pray a special blessing upon us as we continue this evangelism series. May it give us the gumption to go out there and and just share the gospel of Christ with everyone we come into contact with until all have heard. May this be our true prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.